My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. podcast um i'm here with travis sean and sean as always how's it going fellas hey sean <laughs> it's been travis travis or sean i'm good i'm real good today for the first intro one. ever i'm uh i'm drinking a uh a version of alcoholic iced tea that we can maybe explain why later we can explain why. Is it because all of your taste buds are completely yeah. gone that you might as well just have <laughs> the that? Suspense, the suspense is killing us, Travis. No, I just Sometimes I jump to introducing the, the guests before we're supposed to. You, you so do, I didn't yeah. want to ruin it. That is true. I, you have a history of that. I just yeah. I just like there to be a little bit of banter before we just jump right into the guest, you know? just So it looks like we're having a good time, at least. Well, let's banter um, do, about his thing. Yeah, 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 we will. Um... We do have a guest today. Oh, weird, hey? Um, it's, uh, so, so our guest today is Garrett Haynes. He's, he is the master distiller behind Grainhenge Whiskey, um, which is a, it's a brand, new, brand new whiskey to the Alberta whiskey scene. And something like it was, I remember stumbling upon the Instagram Garrett and being like, what in the world? is this because i never like that was like november kind of thing i was like they're releasing it in a month I, I didn't know anything about it i was like scrambling i thought i wasn't paying attention or something but garrett how's it going today doing excellent how are you folks no we're doing good we're uh happy to have uh, a new whiskey in the local scene honestly and uh the reviews have been absolutely insane um from enthusiasts kind of in Western Canada that, that have had the opportunity to try it. And it's, it's been really cool to see just in its short evolution. So we always, uh, we always start off the podcast asking the guests to kind of just give, give us the, the story of their personal journey and kind of what led to this point of your career or your passion in whiskey. So if you don't mind, I'm going to give you the floor and you can kind of just give us, give us uh, the lowdown on what led you to this point. Sure. Uh, well, my resume is several pages long. I've had a lot of jobs trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And after about 10 years of home brewing, I decided, you know, that's it. Uh, so I went to school and did the two-year program at Olds College. And while I was there, uh, Charlie Bredo came and, and spoke at uh, the school saying he wanted to open a brewery in Red Deer. And I knew I needed to talk to that man. And uh, we hit it off right away and opened Troubled Monk. Uh, he hired me as his head brewer, and we've been open since 2015, and uh, just uh, continuous growth and experimentation. And then in 2018, Charlie asked if, uh, hey, wouldn't it be fun to, to buy a still? And by the next weekend, we had a 500-liter still ordered, and I was like, okay, time to learn how to make whiskey, um, which thankfully I'd been introduced to by my grandfather and uncle when I was inappropriately young and uh, had been <laughs> loving ever since. So. <laughs> what, make, making moonshine in the shed or what? <laughs> my grandpa was definitely a home brewer and uh, nice. yeah, go on some hunting trips and uh, wake up in the morning with a little, little warmth. <laughs> <laughs> Being That's... a home brewer, were you kind of ahead of the, like, I always found home brewers were the people I first learned about craft beer from before, you know, the craft beer scene took off. So you were, 
I mean, the beers, you kind of grew an appreciation for really good beer. Maybe not really good, depending on how good you were, but at a, <laughs> probably before the craft boom really took off, I'm guessing. Yeah, I actually got into home brewing um, from travel. I was introduced to a lot of different beers, came back home, and I couldn't find anything like that. It just wasn't available yet. And I realized if I wanted to drink beer like that, I had to make it myself. So that's what got me going. Well, and so you've been you've been in the the brewing scene for obviously some time now, and it's like it it's pretty incredible to see how far the craft beer scene has come here. Even even just just quality alone is absolutely crazy to me. The the beer that like at once once upon a time the when you bought craft beer it was like Big Rock, <laughs> right? And then then it became Alley Cat, and then it it grew from there. But I don't know, like what what's what's been your experience there? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, the, the number of breweries that have come onto the scene has been awesome. And the fact that everyone's passionate about the beer and the, the styles, but also, like I say, the quality, it's, it's really cool. And we all want each other making the best beer possible because we're trying to just promote the brand of craft beer. And, uh, yeah, Alberta's had a, a huge growth and it's been a super fun ride. Yeah, it's been, it's a real, uh, rising tides industry, how everybody kind of bands together and, we know we've we've got some friends in, in the brewing scene. I'm friends with the guys at, at Blind Man, and it's it's actually really cool to kind of hear how just how how actual like how all the brewers band together to kind of boost the industry. And there's like there's people canning for each other and producing for each other, and it's just this like mix mash of of amazing beer and amazing people. I don't know, it's fascinating to That's me, super honestly. Cool. Yeah, collaborations. Yeah, it's it's exactly like that neighborly thing. You you go and buy a or borrow a bag of malt from from the next brewery over, and they're happy to do it. It's it's an awesome relationship we have. Yeah, it's it's really cool. So, in 2018, when Charlie came to you and and said, "Hey, let's make some whiskey," what was uh, like? Where did like obviously you got to start distilling it and and get kind of get your feet on the ground a little bit? But I'm curious where the inspiration came behind grain hinge and kind of just how that evolved to becoming the whiskey it is well the, the first thing i realized when we got the still was i knew nothing about distilling but i knew a, a fair bit about making beer and wash is basically beer without hops so i thought well let's take what we do know and apply it to whiskey and instead of relearning everything let's just add on to what we know and uh started doing a lot of reading and the con- the traditional knowledge was you just kind of put whatever grain into it whiskey is kind of about being cheap and just making alcohol as, as quickly as you can but then you also find distillers who are talking about the, the terroir of their barley so i knew that there was going to be more to it than that and i wanted to see how much of that that malt flavor that we were getting from our beer could actually come through in the still and we kind of started with that in mind from day one so how do you feel that like because grain like the grain hinge name how did how did that come to be yeah so that was uh, charlie's dad was was thinking about that and, and came up with the name and we just love the the concept of kind of thinking about the, the grain that we're using is coming from the prairies and uh so the grain hinge is kind of referring to those those monoliths of the grain elevators and mills the the things that just kind of appeared out of the landscape and kind of became drawing centers for for bringing people together and and sharing what becomes the one of the main ingredients oh for sure like you think when just driving kind of the alberta landscape it's just like a graveyard of 
old monuments basically right like it's old old farm equipment and these beaten up grain elevators that are well what probably decades and decades and decades old and they're still standing to this day kind of uh, acting as landmarks so I, I think the name is perfect for for the location that's for sure um what about like how, how does the how do you figure the whiskey kind of embodies that embodies that name uh, especially the way that we wanted the malts to be the uh, the real showcase of our whiskey. Um, lots of people say that, and uh, everyone who makes whiskey wants it to, <laughs> to be true. Um, but we really wanted to, to push the uh, the idea of, of using malts that give our beer its character to also give our, our whiskey its character. So we like that it's really kind of front and center, the, the star of the show. And you, you took, uh, I mean, your open road brown ale, which is to this day, I think still one of my favorite brown ales I've ever consumed. I tell people that if you're going to go break it a brown ale, get the, the open road, but that beer, which I think it, it won you guys like a big award years ago, didn't it? Like, yeah, we got a silver medal at the world beer cup. So that's yeah. a, a pretty big feather in the cap. Yeah. Nice. So, so that I, to me, that's the beer I think of when I think of your brewery, but didn't you use that beer a little bit when like, is that some of the malts you were using for the whiskey? Yeah, so that's what uh, our first release, Meeting Creek, was actually me taking that recipe for Open Road Brown Ale and really pinpointing the the character malts that were giving it its flavor and increasing their amounts specifically for distillation and wrote a recipe kind of based off of Open Road to to become this whiskey. Is that something that you're going to continue to do with with like future releases to kind of mimic the mash bills of the, the beers that have had success for you out of Troubled Monk? Yeah, it's not our only strategy, but it is something we we definitely played around with a lot in the early years. And um, with whiskey, because it has to age three years before you can call it whiskey, uh, a lot of those ideas we had three years ago. So we're just starting to see them come to fruition. But we've also done a lot of other experimentation in the interim. But our next release is actually going to be based off of the pesky pig recipe, but taking the the Munich malt that is kind of the, the, the multi character of that beer and amping that for the whiskey. Cool. Very cool. I'm definitely not going to miss out on that one. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, were there any brands or distilleries, whether Canadian or overseas, that you guys drew inspiration from, or um, I guess like looked at to kind of mimic quality or anything like that? Was like, or were there established whiskey brands that you guys kind of looked up to when you started getting into the whiskey game? Uh, yeah, so we, we started off doing a lot of trips exploring beer, and uh, we went to Colorado and ran into some really awesome distilleries that were just kind of opening up that scene as it was starting there. And that got us really thinking about it, and that's probably where maybe the idea of, well, I wonder if we bought a still would kind of come from. Um, and then kind of as we got into it and we started looking more and more, we found kind of affirmation in some other distilleries that were taking things on a similar line that we did like uh uh rogue and uh that uh mcmenamins uh in oregon kind of mm-hmm. some of their whiskeys use a, a similar approach so it it felt good to know that you know maybe our path wasn't crazy and and it could turn out into something good in three years so uh, yeah it was nice to, to discover distilleries like that and, and see what they were up to it's crazy that some of my favorite canadian whiskeys come from brewers that brewers. decided to get into the into the whiskey game it's it's interesting i mean it, it makes a lot of sense like you said at the beginning the first 
part of the process you're already doing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, using different kinds of malts, that's always interesting. Some of my favorite Canadian whiskey have used brewer's malts and made a whiskey out of it. And yeah, yeah um, I'm super stoked and I can't wait for release two. And hopefully my email works that day and I don't miss <laughs> out again. Since, since you brought up, uh, we said brewers quite a bit. Obviously, two brewers is a pretty popular whiskey distillery and brand here in Western Canada. I'm curious, but like, based on on your first release being that small batch nature, is that how you kind of plan on on progressing? Is is continuing to release these small batches, almost similar to how two brewers does? Yeah, I mean, part of it is just the, the size of a distillery that we are and were three years ago. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely for the first few releases, I've only got a couple barrels to to use for, for my blend. Um, and we've been continually adding to our production. So that means that there's a fair chance that our releases will increase in size. But for the first little bit, it's going to be a very small batch like, like this one. So only 450 bottles in our first release. In in the future, is there is there talks of creating or barreling enough that you could create a core range product at all? Yeah, uh, it's something we've been talking about too. And I have revisited like the, the meeting Creek, the open road recipe, we've been brewing that and the, the pesky pig one. So those will come back around. Uh, and okay. if the response is, uh, continues to be as good as it has been, then, uh, I definitely see a reason to, to keep uh, brewing and distilling that. So uh, I would like to see some, some core brands emerge, but it's also a lot of fun just to experiment and make a whole bunch of new, new whiskeys. So that's not going to stop either. <laughs> no, it makes your job more ex- interesting and exciting, right? Yeah. Some of us have issues with doing the small batch release, never to be seen again type thing. I absolutely love it. It makes me, I mean, me as a consumer, it makes me, you know, I don't want to miss out on one like I already did with batch one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, like going back to two brewers, I mean, they're up to what, 30 now? And, um, you know, once you get into it and you start liking, some along the way for me like i try and get every single one and now with Greenhenge, obviously it's going to be the same thing so i think it's a cool idea but i do wish that two brewers did have you know like even just one or two core ranges that you could pick up anytime so if you do go along that road that'd be amazing as well yeah sort of like uh eau claire like with the ruperts or something like that along those lines is what you're thinking sean yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be a blend, but yeah, if you just made, you know, production so much every year, like obviously you know how much you need to produce to be able yeah. to release something year round and then have these one offs, you know, four or five a year that everybody will clamor to get and beat each other up in the emails and you know, <laughs> try, and, try and steal samples from podcast mates. And <laughs> this, this is kind of where. I'm very intrigued. And when I wrote my review for this whiskey, just for the Facebook forum there, I basically said the fact that that the first whiskey you released was a cast strength, single cask whiskey to me was just, it was, uh, I don't know. It was, it was really cool for us to see because you're not catering to a huge audience with a release like that. You're catering to people like us. And was that, was it part of the strategy to say, let's win over the whiskey enthusiasts first? Or was our, was the strategy, this is where our whiskey tastes best. We're just going to bottle it this way. Yeah, we, we knew we didn't want to necessarily put out at 40%. We wanted to 
to really let the the whiskey sing and so we we didn't know what that number would be and i tried different water sources and lots of different dilution strengths uh, but i just kept coming back to what comes coming out of the barrel was amazing and and every time i diluted it it just a little bit less so um and and i didn't I didn't want to feel our first release was anything other than the best effort that we could possibly put forward. And uh, I just decided to listen to the whiskey and, and let people experience it like that because we were all so excited about what was coming right out of the barrel. Yeah, and that was my experience was was it didn't need any water. So <laughs> I'm sure when you were doing the same thing and you were sampling, now I, did, I only had a small sample, so I didn't want to risk it, but uh, it, it didn't come across hot without water it didn't it just it tasted perfect how it was so i'm not surprised that's the conclusion you came to there i just got I had to go back quickly uh when you were talking about colorado what what distilleries were you uh speaking with down there just that we we work with a couple of them i'm just curious which ones were helping you out uh, we didn't speak with any we just kind of wandered into their tasting rooms and and uh sampled their spirits and realized that uh the small guys could be making some pretty awesome spirits too awesome nice and they do yeah. yeah, they do. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've worked with quite a bit of them, and it's we're we're big craft supporters. Obviously, we, we like the juice that's created from a craft perspective. So you'll uh, you'll definitely have us on the table drinking your <laughs> drinking your whiskey as it comes out. Now, uh, Troubled Monk is in Red Deer, Alberta. Um, yeah. Is the whiskey produced at the same location, and is there is the warehouse and aging every everything in one spot, or did you guys have to spread it out? Uh, we did have to spread it out, so we do all the brewing of the wash uh, in the same brew house where we make our beers, and we've got a little room carved out with a fire suppression system to hose the still. So we do all the distilling on site, uh, but it's just not big enough for storing all of our barrels plus we have a, a tasting room so the public is in the same building we realized we needed to, to store that off-site and uh, actually built a, a warehouse specifically for the barrels and so those are are aged off-site yeah. okay cool yeah that kind of touches back to what steve was talking about earlier but obviously you're still running a, f a full brewery i mean that's what's paying the bills right now but now you have to find time in that schedule to and i'm assuming you're you're the head brewer still and the master distiller so what is the percentage going to be in terms of brewing to distilling uh, or is that percentage going to change maybe as you start to make more whiskey i think it's something that's in flux and kind of is going to respond to to how well the the whiskey does but we're all very excited about it and we can't wait to to put more wash through the the brew house and and up the percentage there um yeah it, it's ever-changing but uh it, it's still it's like you say it's beer that keeps the lights on it's beer that lets us take three years to make the whiskey we want and, and keep things going uh, and we are crazy busy with other things making uh rtds like our our troubled tea and we've also got gin and and uh, vodka so there's no boring days at work i can tell you that <laughs> Yeah, that's got to be for a, you know, for a guy coming out of old brewing college to walk into a job like that is, is pretty cool. Actually, you were the first graduating class from old brewing college, were you not? 
Yeah, that's correct. And yeah. so do you, do they bring you back now as like some sort of like, you're the, alumni. you're now the teacher just, yeah. Alumni teaching everyone how it's done. <laughs> yeah. I have been back a few times and actually one of my classmates is now the, uh, the head brewer at their old college brewery. So it's really cool to see that some that of the cool. uh, students coming back and, and, uh, kind of passing it on. I'm curious if like, now that you're into whiskey more, obviously you weren't in, into like distilling was a completely new thing to me. Do you find your do you find your head wandering into whiskey more than it is beer? Like how how does that how does that battle go now? Because you would have lived only as a brewer, and now you're a distiller and a brewer. Yeah, and for the last three years, I've been kind of dabbling in whiskey, but having no idea how it was going to turn out. Because <laughs> that three year wait, it, I mean, it's over in an instant, but it takes forever at the same time. Uh, and now that it's out into the world and we're getting all this great feedback, I'm just starting to sweat. Release two's got to be good too. So I'm spending oh, a, sure. a lot more time thinking about whiskey uh, in recent months for sure. I'm sure it was cr- like incredibly like nerve wracking the few months leading up to your first release. I can only imagine the stress involved something like that yeah this i've never released a whiskey before i don't know if i know what i'm doing i mean i'm happy with what's in the barrel but you you, you don't know till somebody is actually uh drinking it at home and, and uh, enjoying it or not so really so happy those, with how it's going as those reviews start pouring in as the samples are going out and you're seeing i know naomi she sent samples to people across canada and you know mike breezebaugh one of the top whiskey guys in canada raving about it. i mean when you start seeing that stuff it's sort of like when we buy a when we buy a cask it's on a smaller scale but you buy a thirty thousand dollar cask and you the bottles finally arrive and people start picking them up and there's this nervousness oh yeah but you oh, have yeah. you know the first whiskey made at this distillery so how did that feel when you started seeing people just raving about this whiskey yeah i, I mean literally it was people that a year or two ago, I would go and, and listen to them talk and give presentations, and, and all of a sudden, they're drinking the product that I helped put on the market. That's that's kind of mind-blowing, yeah. yeah. I, li- I really appreciate how organically it happened. Like, you know, there wasn't a lot of hype leading up to it. There wasn't a lot of, um, you know, like lots of us were like, what the fuck is this? And like, <laughs> we didn't really know what was going on. And then before you knew it, it was out. And then everyone's raving about it. And now people are trying to play catch up, like seeing if they can find it and all this stuff. So I really think that's super cool how, how organically that all happened. So obviously that just speaks volumes about the liquid that that you guys produced yeah because you let it you almost let just the whiskey speak for itself which yeah. was which just see it just comes off way more authentic I, I feel yeah and that that's something that people will appreciate so much more like it, it makes it actually truly makes the whiskey taste better in the glass <laughs> right like <laughs> we've talked about this before like there's so many factors that contributes to the contributes to tasting a whiskey sean Sean McCalder always talks about his journey mm. and it's like everything that contributes to from the first sip to the last sip kind of thing. But it's, it's all those things in between. And I think you guys did a, a tremendous job, honestly. Awesome. That's, that's great to hear. It's a lot of the, the marketing came to us fairly late because we were still just waiting for the, the whiskey to, to talk to us and tell us what we needed to do. And uh, I feel like we listened to it pretty well and I'm really happy with what we got. 
that branding, the bottle, everything about it is it's so sharp. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's spot. It on. stands out, and I mean, to me, it's it screams Alberta. Obviously, with yeah. the 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 barley and the the grain elevators, and I mean, the liquid inside kind of reflects the color of a wheat field. And yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, "This is amazing." Um, I'm going to segue back into a, another question for you. Um, you obviously have a lot of experience pouring beer for people, whether at the tasting room or at uh, festivals and markets. Uh, are you going to personally be pouring whiskey at festivals when they open up again? And are you excited about that aspect of interacting with the public? <laughs> that actually hasn't even occurred to me. Uh, our our whiskey was gone so fast, and we're already thinking about release number two. But you're right. Like when I can be out there and seeing people face to face enjoy the product, that that's something definitely to look forward to. So hopefully this this summer is a, a lot more friendly for things like that. Have you been to Have you been to a whiskey festival before? I've been to the Banff one. Uh, oh, it's yeah, a, a lot of fun, but hard on the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get used to it over time, I would say. <laughs> but hard on the head and the, and the wallet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, hard on the wallet for sure. They're all they're always a good time, and it's like it's it's especially Banff whiskey experience. It's something that you you will only get kind of the enthusiasts that go to a to a destination festival like that. So you get a real special kind of environment um, with like the Edmonton one. It's you get a little bit more browsers in there, but it's still it's still like I've, I've poured on them and I've been a guest at them and stuff. And it's it's just a cool it's just a really cool atmosphere. Honestly, I always have such a great time and everybody just glowing about their products. And I, I think that it'll be fun to see to see another local product at those festivals. Yeah, it's 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 the ultimate gathering of nerds, and and people are gonna. And speaking of nerds, I gotta. But we should probably. I don't know if if we want to to sort of give our actual. I don't. Know if we've really talked about our thoughts on the whiskey, or if we want to just say a couple things about the whiskey itself, just before Sean pulls the bung. But um, I I love getting nerdy when it comes to the process of making the whiskey and we already talked about kind of the grain and stuff like that um but i want to ask you about the 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 fermentation first of all um what kind of fermentation how long wood fermenters what did you what did you do there uh we stuck with the equipment that we have we knew how uh, our fermentations worked in our conical fermenters and so we continue to use those um mostly uh 60 hectoliters yeah. Uh, so fairly big tanks takes us four brews on the brew house to fill a tank and then instead of going for the super fast kind of traditional spirit uh fermentations we kind of treat it more like beer so it's it's really not done fermenting for at least five or six days and then because our still is only 500 liters it's actually spending a fair bit of time in the fermenter and i think that it makes a difference in in what comes out the still so i'm really happy with our process right now you might yeah. have actually just earned yourself a poster in Travis's bedroom because he's yeah. a he's a fermentation geek and if you he loves the long fermentation times. So. Yeah, just take a picture of you beside the fermenter, <laughs> sign it, send it over to me. I mean, it's 5 to 6 days is like Scotland's average is about 55 hours. Yeah. So yeah. We're talking 2 plus days. So 5 to 6 days and people say that like once the yeast is done doing its thing, um 
that there's no point doing it anymore. But anything I've read is that there's other stuff happening after the East is gone. And uh, I'm glad you guys are doing that because by all accounts, there's stuff happening after those, you know, 55 hours. So that's the exciting thing about brewers making beer though, in my eyes, because it adds like a whole new element and a whole new kind of level of innovation to the whiskey industry. I feel right. Like you've, with obviously two brewers and Westland and, and some of these like brewers that are making whiskey, they make some really, really unique stuff because they're, they're, they're more willing kind of to stand outside the box, which is really cool. Yeah. And they, they're, I mean, they're, like you said, they're making the exact same stuff. They're just, it's the distillation that's new. Um, maybe some different barley. Yeah. Different barley. Um, the stills themselves. I mean, you, you just said Garrett, they're 500 liters. This is, I mean, the still, sorry, it's a, that's a tiny still. We, I just quickly, I quickly Googled uh, Glenn Morangy's stills. Glenn Morangy's spirit stills are 15,000 liters. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, just the, the amount of distillation runs you're going to have to do to produce any sort of quantity of, of whiskey is, is going to be quite a few, um, you know, like it's, it's just crazy to me, the scale. Um, but in terms of that's, that's still that you're using, are you, are you running it a certain way to get more copper interaction? Are you like, what's your sort of strategy with the still itself? Yeah. So our still's kind of a, a weird sort of modern, uh, take on distilling. There's a lot of uh, electronic monitoring and stuff on it. Uh, and we've actually kind of had to go around some of that to, to do our whiskeys. Um, we'll let that fly for the, the vodka make really nice clean spirit, but we're bypassing things and, and running it kind of out of spec to, to make our whiskeys just not as intended, I guess. Um, so we do a stripping run on it and just kind of run it fairly quick with a little bit of copper in the still. And then, uh, we'll do uh, really long, slow, uh, spirit runs off of the low wines that we produce and, uh, just put more copper in the, the still when we're doing that and just try and clean up the spirit a little more, especially for whiskeys that we intend to age, uh, for a shorter period of time and release young, we, we want a nice clean spirit. Like the stuff that comes off the still is you're happy to, to share it and show it to people. It's, it's delicious. And so that extra three years is works wonders too but uh if you put good things in the barrel you, you get good things out so totally uh, i'm also cu- i'm curious when you when you first like when you filled those casks if you i'm sure you did obviously some research before you filled them but the the amount of like evaporation and and just the the impact that our climate kind of has on on a cask i'm curious if that was any sort of surprise to you or like how did that go yeah, well, doing the research again, you read about what happens in Kentucky yeah. and Texas, and also in Scotland, and they're kind of really on opposite uh, ends of the extreme. And so we're not too sure where we'd fall in between. But we found our our uh, ABV does increase a little over time, uh, but our our evaporation is not bad. So uh, it's smaller than I thought it would be, which is always good news when you open that barrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Where where is your like? Where are you aging the casks? I know it's not it's off site, isn't it? You have a yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got a, a special warehouse built offsite. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and uh, what kind of what kind of casts is it? Are you just sticking with bourbon stuff? Are you already starting to explore um, some other styles of casks, sherry stuff like that? 
so far, everything's gone into uh, new American oak or into used bourbon barrels. Um, and we've tried lots of different char levels, even like toasted barrels, more like what a winery would use than a, a distillery, just to, to see. Um, <laughs> you you don't know it yet because we've only got one release, but we've been doing a ton of experimenting. Part of it just to, to make a variety of whiskey, but part to, to learn for ourselves what we like and, and what works for our climate and our particular distillate. And, yeah. Well, it sounds That's like you're exciting. doing it the right. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing it the right way, at least, right? Like you're going, you're worrying about the spirit first before you dump it in a cask. And if you've got, if you've got a, like a bright, vibrant spirit, then the cask should only kind of amplify the, the flavor and, and, and do it justice. I feel right. A lot of some, some distillers will just, they just want to get the spirit in the cask and let the cask do the work, but you're, you're definitely doing the work beforehand, which is pretty cool. Sean, do you want to, the fact that you're doing experiments right off the bat with one release, like to me as a whiskey nerd, that's like, yes, like get it and (laughs) he will get it. And yeah, it makes me happy (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Sean, you want to run in there? You want to pull the bong on this thing? Yeah. I want to pull the lightning round this guy. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Are you threatening me, Dick? That's not a threat. What? That's a fact. I'll fucking kill you. What do you want to know? What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Are you ready? All right, let's do it. Favorite color of shirt to wear? Uh, green. Does pineapple go on pizza? Only fresh. Okay. What is the population of Red Deer, Alberta? I think we're over 100,000 now. Oh, 103.588. <laughs> Jeez, you're creepy. That's, is that more than Sherwood Park now? Sherwood Park is bigger than Red Deer for a long time, weren't we? I have no idea, but that is bigger than Strathcona County for sure. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, favorite holiday? Uh, mountain biking in Vernon. Okay. I hear that Red Deer loves hockey. Can you skate backwards? I can. I was playing hockey last night. Nice. Beauty. Where is the best Chinese food in Red Deer? Uh, our favorite's Canton Kitchen. Okay. Good food there. Favorite Alberta brewery other than your own, of course. Uh, the folks at Blind Man are doing it right. Nice. Um, favorite Canadian whiskey other than your own? Ooh, uh, actually, I've had a couple really good shelter points, and I'm I'm on their team right now. <laughs> All right, cool. What is your spirit animal? I'd be a fox, I think. Oh, nice. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, (laughs) a red fox yeah specifically a red fox um in your opinion what is the worst social media platform (laughs) uh i have uh zero interaction with tiktok i have to okay right on i'm okay with that that or twitter i can do with either of them without all right and pizza pops or pop tarts Oh, I had a bad experience, but I'm still on Pop-Tarts. 
a bad pop tart experience everyone's everyone's had a you had a bad well, bad pop tart experience i was gonna say yeah. everyone's had a bad pizza pop experience. definitely yeah we may need to hear this story pop. after the bung is yeah old. okay well yeah. last question then we could dig into pop tarts uh obviously aside from your own products um you're trapped on an island you have one beer and one whiskey for the rest of your life uh-huh. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Pilsner Kelp for the beer and uh, Lagavulin 16 for the whiskey. Nice. Nice pick. Okay. What if it was your own beer? Uh, open road. Nice. So how about that Pop-Tart story? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the uh, folks at Pop-Tart want me to get into it, actually. <laughs> oh, it's a legal matter. It's a legal battle. Do you now have Pop-Tarts for life for free? I, I do not. I did not play that well. Oh, no. That would have been oh, the best. No. It was like glass or a finger in one or something like that. <laughs> something. It's oh, like, a, like a Kramer hot coffee story, I think. Wow. You, loved, you loved it so much you went back, though, so I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> that's funny pizza pops for me i can't i'm telling you like pizza pops all the way oh if i have a pizza pop i'm runs for like at least a week like they're they're torture for me i can't i can't eat any either of them honestly listen i i work in a i live in a camp for half my life and the one day like every two months that there's pizza pops it's like a free-for-all and people are grabbing them and i'm like yes yes pizza pops no more crap sandwiches your camp feels doesn't like have the saddest food. day, saddest day ever. I, <laughs> Best day ever. <laughs> Does, doesn't your camp have good food though? Yeah, it generally. It I've is. worked they in a couple make, of camps in my life, and they they I was fed pretty well. They can't yeah, make actual I mean, pizza. They oh yeah, we the pizza uh, the pizza at our camp is like on par with any pizza you can get in the city. It's the go to if nothing else is appealing like we ran out of food pizza pops for everybody (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh each episode we dive into some sort of food category now it's a it's a new theme on the show while we're on it what about toaster strudels because i think those are way better than pop tarts i agree i'm a i am a pastry person so i would rat like if i had to choose i would choose a toaster strudel but i would probably die with without either because <laughs> i or I'd, i would choose to die and not eat it all because <laughs> not a fan but process, right. then you gotta bring food, eat- processed food just doesn't work for me you know that's probably a good thing that's okay yeah, it is yeah it is for sure i don't know i'm so i before we let you go i just kind of want to talk just a little bit about the whiskey and what everybody kind of just feels about it travis you you did a little review on it but it's it's like it, everyone talks about obviously that multi the, the multi character, which you're naturally going to get from those from those darker barleys that you're using, but I feel like it's not. I feel like it's it's rounded off nicely between kind of like uh, that maltiness and that chocolateness, but it's also got this like tangy kind of vibrance to it, which I find really interesting because I find that whiskeys that get too malty tend to lose the like kind of the really expressive side of of the spirit, but I don't know. In, in my eyes, I feel like it's like it's chocolate in and just like, I don't know, fruitiness and, and kind of tanginess coming out. I think it's really cool. And was, I think the the uh, sorry, I think the the fruitiness definitely still comes through. And whether that's from those long fermentations where typically 
fruit comes out in longer fermentations but the chocolate for me is sort of the the, the show for this whiskey mm-hmm. like it's when i drink it i just think oh my god there's so many cool flavors just it, chocolatey flavors there but it's the balance for me between mm-hmm. all of that the chocolate and it's that they're integrated and the abv isn't too hot uh i just remember sitting here with this thinking what my expectations weren't super high but then a couple people reviewed them and it's true it's fair to say they weren't high was we knew nothing about this whiskey no we didn't know don't don't give me that look sean (laughs) (laughs) it's just funny to say yeah no it's true and then um it's it's just every sip i had i was like wow this is this is super super good whiskey so that was my take on it it's uh, interesting too when you taste it coming off the still that's your first real clue of what what's to come and to see the chocolate there on day one that was really exciting and then as you're tasting it one two and three years down the road um, and I've got this spirit in uh, one, two, three, and four char barrels. And for this release, uh, I, I chose the two and four to go together. Um, one gave me a lot more of the chocolate, but one gave me a nice kind of uh, a honey toast character as well. And I found that they worked really well together just to kind of round it out. So it's not just a big hit of one note. And then I do think that that fruitiness you come from or that you detected comes from the fermentation for sure we do a, a slightly abbreviated boil so that we don't really totally pasteurize our wort going into the wash and that helps develop some acidity and from what i've experienced anyways i think that acidity helps create that fruitiness and i, I like that when it's a fruit that that like sticks to your tongue afterwards which i love right because that's it's that like i'm trying to find a word for it but it, like I said, that tanginess that kind of gets you salivating, right? Which makes you want to take the next next sip. That's, that's kind of how I see it. Sean, what did you think? Um, yeah, like the first initial hit, I got a lot of that malty, chocolatey in it. And it took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting that. And then, uh, yeah, the, like that fruit tang, like almost, I don't want to say tropical style fruit, but it was like, along that lines like it wasn't like a dark red fruit or anything no no and and that like that's like you said it stuck to your mouth stuck to my tongue and um like i I even opened the sample and tried to pour more and there was nothing left (laughs) (laughs) looking but um i i do have a very nice person that's going to split a bottle that they have so I will get some of my own. I would have to put it in like this empty bottle and write a handwritten label on it. <laughs> At least nobody will go go for it on my shelf if it's just got like a paper label on it. <laughs> yeah. Sean, yeah, no, Sean, I, Sean, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say from the first time I, I tasted that and then it was really early that I got that sample. Yeah, I just wanted some more i didn't care how i got it i would have raided travis's but he got covid and i'm not going near that it, it was his force field covid force field for the whiskey yeah i feel like he's i feel like he's been isolated for like a month now though yeah, no <laughs> sean mccalder have you tried this yet i have not <laughs> Can you uh, tell us about the journey you hope it will take you on? Yeah, tell us about what, what you... Yes, I can. 
Based like on what a bunch what of saying. asses we are hey like we've all tried it we're like excited to interview garrett and meanwhile you haven't even tr- you haven't even tried yeah, it i'm you know what i have yet to be added to the mailing list for samples like that um but I, you know i'm working on it <laughs> work hard um, but i yeah. think you know i feel like the journey is gonna be uh there's gonna be some tang in there uh sounds like a little bit of a pop you know up front with some some chocolate and i is it a dark or is it a milk chocolate it's more <laughs> what were you gonna say travis the same both there's so yeah. a whole bunch of chocolate okay well then we're coming good. into a two-wave journey because the 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 dark chocolate's gonna be a little bitter and the milk chocolate's gonna be smooth over here do you know what i mean it is a little bit of both yeah, for and sure then you it's get like some a tang in there yeah there you, you know? go. Perfect. Sean so, loves to talk with his hands, but we're yeah. th- thanks. You <laughs> thanks asked, for so I got. I did, I did, I told you. So that's my anticipated journey. Uh, that yeah, I will hopefully so one day so, get to experience. <laughs> yeah. Before we let you go, so Garrett, you've got a release coming out in this spring, right? Like April, I think it is. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. it's in April. Okay. Yeah. And then another one come fall and then naomi said hopefully another one before christmas kind of thing so like three like quarterly kind of thing is that's that what, what we're shooting for right now um we've run into some supply chain issues like even just getting glass to put the whiskey in has yeah. become a challenge but uh, that's what we hope is to to have quarterly releases at least so well we're we're excited for it honestly and if, if people are kind of want to get on the bandwagon they can they can obviously go to the the green Henge website and they can sign up for the for the emails like subscribe list kind of thing and they'll they'll find out all the information and that's where you kind of get the opportunity to to buy the bottles because i i have a feeling you're probably just going to release them through just through you guys because there's just because the the runs are limited releases so um that i'm sure that's the only way right or it may be in the distillery or in the brewery are you selling them there or uh, so far, it's just through the website just because, the website. like I say, the batches are, are small. So we've just kind of done it through a lottery system to try and make it fair. Um, and hopefully we can just get bigger batches in, in the future and, and start to push it through other channels. Then maybe I should say everyone should just, they should go to the brewery and ask for it and not sign up for the subscriber list so that we can <laughs> yeah. have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I just gave that away. You're going to have to edit that out, Sean. Yeah, but. you betcha. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, we really appreciate your time today, Garrett. Honestly, we're looking forward to see kind of where Grainhenge goes, and we're excited to to travel the bandwagon and enjoy it and talk about it. Um, there's going to be fun. I'm sure there's lots of fun to come. Yeah, and I, I love talking about beer. I love talking about whiskey. Just I can get pretty nerdy about it, and I, I love it. So it's great to, uh, to share a night like this with some folks who, who get it and care. Well, we drink we drink more beer than we do whiskey, but uh, for obvious reasons. But we're we uh, I, I do not. I wouldn't be surprised. I do want to honestly. I do want to get a. I do want to record a podcast with like a few brewers, local brewers, just and just get nerdy over beer one time. So maybe we'll have you back to do that. Maybe we'll invite I don't know one of the guys, whether it be Shane or or someone from Blind Man, and just have some fun there. No, I think it'd be good. Yeah, that'd be fun. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, Garrett. Thank you. Good night.